Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour. So we're going to be speaking to award-winning choreographer Tina Landon, who played an important role in the music videos and the world tour. We also have new music for you to check out from Tiesto, Louis Tomlinson, and Celine Dion, and we speak to electro-pop group Featurette about their new song, Don't Know Me Without You, and where they're headed next in the music industry. Tina Landon was a principal dancer in many of the Rhythm Nation music videos, not to mention helping to stage the tour. Tina, thanks so much for making time for us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Absolutely. What's going on? Well, super excited because it's the, of course, 30th anniversary of uh, Rhythm Nation. And in preparing for this interview, I actually went back and listened to our chats from the 25th anniversary of Rhythm Nation. And at oh that time, I listened to the whole thing. And at that time, I had asked you uh, what it would feel like to go back and dance Rhythm Nation again, because so many years had passed back in 2014 since you had done Rhythm Nation. So if we now fast forward to October of 2017, when Janet <laughs> and you and the other Janet dancers all came back and performed Rhythm Nation at the Hollywood Bowl, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that that experience would, would happen? Oh, gosh, no, I never did. I think it's I think you put it out there and you made it happen. So I'm I'm putting this all on you. <laughs> um, no, I never, I just never did, you know, and, and that's why when the opportunity arose, I was like, I mean, I think it probably was the same for all of us. I don't think anyone even questioned it. Everyone was like, yeah. I mean, I think I, the only thing I questioned was like, if my body could still do it. So I was like, A was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And then it's like, oh, but can I? Hmm. Will my body betray me or will I be able to do this? And of course, that fear went away two seconds later and I was on a plane. So it was pretty awesome. Awesome. And uh, we talked about it briefly a couple of years ago about the experience, but I did just kind of want to go over a few things because I, I don't think I asked you specific things about that performance. Can you tell us what it felt like to be on stage with Janet again? Because at that point, it had been eight years since you had last stepped onto a dance floor t- together. So did it feel like old times sort of being just off to her left or off to her right? Oh yeah. It was, and that's probably the strangest part of it all was that it didn't feel strange. You know, it didn't feel um, anything other than this is what was supposed to be happening that night. Like it literally felt like I was still on tour. Like I was still sore. I was still tired <laughs> and just kind of being right off of her shoulder. And it was, it was very, very surreal. And like, you know, I'm looking over her shoulder out into the audience and actually seeing some fans that were with us since Rhythm Nation that are still out there with the same energy, jumping up and down, giving us all that love. And then all the, you know, all the the technical stuff that goes through my mind, because that's just what happens when I'm on stage with the lighting and the staging and the, you know, don't mess this up, Tina, like all of that was going on in my brain while at the same time I was like a five-year-old who just got the biggest piece of cake and I couldn't sit still in my skin. Like I was just jumping up and down inside. It's awesome because I rewatched the performance this morning just to sort of get my, my head back in the game. And, you know, watching it, you could tell that Janet was so happy and emotional to have all of you back on stage with her to celebrate. And I'm assuming that it had to be super special for you, not only to dance with her again, but as you looked around the stage, you know, you were responsible for a lot of those dancers that were up there who you had brought in through auditions for the Janet tour and the Velvet Rope tour. Um, what was going through your, your 
your mind on stage, like just sort of seeing that part of it, like where it's like, these are people that you help bring to her. Again, I'm probably going to overuse this phrase or this word surreal, but that's really the only way you can explain it. Cause it's, it's like watching your family grow. You know, my sister has six children and I've seen all of them, you know, in her stomach first. And then now they're all like in college and, and living lives and have, now they're having their own kids and our family just keeps growing and growing and growing. And until I think we were on that stage all together going, oh my gosh, like we are all connected through her. And she's like, you know, if you look at a big tree and the family roots and the roots that just come down and they spread out and they have little tags here and there and they just keep going and going and going. And that's kind of what it felt like watching all of us. And, you know, the dance community is so small. We all know each other uh, through Janet or outside of Janet through other projects. So it was, it was awesome to see us all come together. And then as we're watching each other, like, again, seeing those little pieces of roots going off in different directions and seeing, you know, who's working for who now and who's choreographed and doing their own things and their own project projects and who's directing now. And it's, you know, it's not like we all came back together and we're, um, still dancers like well because some of us are kind of old but we've all kind of branched out and and in different ways and different directions and yet we all have this common um connection with janet and it was just it you know it was something that i think i what i did notice is that she's such a unique artist in the way that she has loved and um nourished and and championed for her dancers and her team that I just, I remember being on stage going, I don't think another artist could do this because they use dancers, get rid of them. Next group comes in. Like there's no real connection. And Janet, when she says like, this is my family, it truly is. And I could see it and feel it that night on stage. And you got like two mentions cause you got the first mention. And then as she was kind of wrapping things up, she like looked at you specifically again and kind of said a few other things. So it's like, yeah, it's like that, that A-team connection that I always talk about between you and Janet was like, you could just kind of see it in those, those that extra moment that she gave you. So, um, yeah, I can only imagine. I know the fans are obviously ecstatic to have you be with her again. So we're still waiting for that new music video that you're going to choreograph for her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I keep getting lots of love from the fans, and it's always appreciated. Uh, I wanted to ask you, too, now that you've had time to reflect on that specific Hollywood Bowl experience, which you didn't think was happening because actually in our interview five years ago you had actually said I hope I get to dance with her again before we're in rocking chairs and so <laughs> so I, I laughed out loud I when probably I, said wheelchair yeah probably that too <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah now that you've had you know a couple of years to re- reflect on it because it's actually going to be two years and not too long that that since that performance happened um, and now that it's the 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation where does the song and the album sit with you now uh because of that experience from two years ago? Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to put a, I don't know how to put words on that. Um, I think it was, it's almost like it's given it a new life and a new appreciation. Um, but regardless, like it, that song, like hearing it will always take me back to the original time. My first time with her, the first time working on on such a cool project that 
the, the feeling that you got when you were work, working on it, you knew you were creating something special. You knew you were part of something special, but you weren't going to be able to see it, you know, until like now when you can have a bird's eye view and go, wow, like we knew it was going to be special. And it was, and it, it was for so many, you know, the, the message and the, the style of the, of the choreography that Anthony did. And it, everything was so new and crisp and, you know, on that cutting edge and, and so when I hear that song, I literally just, I feel proud. I feel really proud to be, to have been part of such an amazing project. Hanging out with us on the show is award-winning choreographer Tina Landon. You can follow her on Instagram at I am Tina Landon. Tina, when Janet released Rhythm Nation back in 1989, I'm sure there was a hope, and I think she's even mentioned this before, that she did feel or, or hope that eventually the world would kind of get its act together and that a lot of these issues that she spoke of at the time would be resolved or worked through. But here we are 30 years later, and these problems are still happening, happening and are seemingly worse because of the political climate that's going on. And I would say the uh, current president of the United States not helping matters uh, so right. yeah so where like is is rhythm nation more relevant than ever yeah and that's that's what's crazy I mean uh, you know it, it, it to me it fits in a category now with so many songs like you know Marvin Gaye's song um, comes to mind I can't remember the name right the second but there there's there's so many classic songs that are writing about the times, you know, of the world and what's going on. And, and Rhythm Nation definitely could be re-released today and still be relevant because sadly, you know, um, but at the same time, it's like, it's such a, a positive message that I don't know. It still gives me hope when I hear songs like that and, I think about the message, you know, on one hand, yeah, we can look at, at the world and go, wow, I can't believe she wrote this however many years ago, 30 years ago to be exact, and and nothing in our world has changed. And yet the song still brings me hope, you know, that that there are like-minded people. There are people who believe in, in no color lines and no racism and love for all. And I just, you know, I'm thankful for that song, and I, I just feel like we should just keep playing it today over and over and over again, and maybe people will, I don't know, listen for once. I don't know. I just, it's, sorry, I just went off the left because I'm just very frustrated with with our the the way of the world right now. When we spoke on the 25th anniversary of Rhythm Nation in 2014, Janet was still on hiatus at the time. Since then, she's come back with an album. Uh, she had a baby. She's done a ton of concerts in the States, in Canada, and other parts of the world. Uh, she seems more popular than ever in a way. And you had said uh, that back in 2014, that the world needed Janet to come back. Has it unfolded the way you thought it would, the way she's made her return? Yeah, actually it has. Like, I just... You know, I don't speak to Janet all the time, but I just, from watching her her latest performances and and kind of seeing this resurgent that that's happening for her, I just see kind of um, like a rebirth with her, personally and professionally. I just feel like whatever was was holding her captive. What you know, I'm speaking more. Uh, what am I trying to say? Fill my words in, Kelly. I yep. can't think of my words. 
But you know, like when something, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever, it's like it's something has broken free. I think with her. Okay. And and I think that the 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 fans feel it. I think the the world feels it. And you know, I, I'll say this. I I've said this from, from the beginning that Janet has some of the best fans in the world because they have been so loyal and so loving and. And that also goes along with the message that Janet has given to her fans and to the world. It's like she always comes from a place of love, no matter what she's doing. She's she's a very gracious person. And I think that shows in her music and in her life. And I just think there was a rough moment. And I think that that she's come through that and come up for air and and now, you know, kind of being able to be in a place to receive all the, the glory that's been given to her and, and the fans that have stood by her so loyally going, yes, like, yes, our girl's back and, and we're going to stay here. We're going to support and we're going to, we're going to spread her love and her music. And yeah. Sorry. I'm just all over the place this morning. No, that's fine. That's good. And I'm glad <laughs> Sorry, you brought guys. <laughs> I with me. I'm 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 with you. I'm with you, and I actually have a couple of follow up questions just based off, off of what you said. And and I guess the first one would be with regards to like you said, um, she just seems in a in a better place. And I don't think that before she was in a bad place necessarily, except for probably you know that Super Bowl situation that she went through and all that. But um, right. But the part where like I've noticed as a fan, and I mean you are. Uh, you know, someone who's worked with her for years and then and friends with her on a personal level. So you would be able to speak to this better than than any of us. But as a fan, I can say over the last little while that when you see clips of her on stage now versus let's even say uh, back, you know, during uh, the Velvet Rope tour or the All For You tour, where I think she was in such um, business mode, for lack of a better word, like she just she was on a mission. She had that project to complete. She was trying to give everything she could to the fans. And and I think on some level she she had a, a high level of of wanting to achieve. And now I feel like not that she doesn't want to achieve anything anymore because she's still doing that clearly. But I feel like she's in a better place to, uh, like you said, receive it and 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 even look back mm-hmm. a little, but not not dwell on the past, but be like, wow, that was those were really special times. Right, right. Um, you're you're talking about when you're saying special times. You're, you're talking about. Like all of her accomplishments, like like looking back now, because now we're we're specifically talking about Rhythm Nation, but yeah, like even just with right. this, the, you know, being able to celebrate thirty years, like you can almost see it in her eyes and her cheeks, like she's like taking it in, like you can see that she's mm-hmm. seeing it, and like and even just like I said, watching this morning that Rhythm Nation performance from two years ago when you guys were all together at the Hollywood Bowl, like you could see, like I think that was almost the beginning of it, but the beginning stages of her being able to look back with pride and and uh, reflection. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same way. You know, I think as artists, sometimes you, you just, you get so focused on the end result or kind of like the daily grind, Yeah. you know, and, and people would ask me all the time, like, oh, weren't you freaked out when, you know, Janet asked you to do this or when you did the Velvet Road Project or when you were, and, and really, yeah, you get freaked out if you try to do the whole thing in your brain as one lump project. But when you take it, bit by bit and you're just you're grinding and grinding and grinding it's like okay that one's done okay this is done okay we make that day okay we did that show we got on the plane we did this it's you don't always get the chance to reflect and and that's kind of what I meant earlier not just from uh, a dancer perspective but perspective but just how many artists can do that you know how many like 
with today's music, and I hate to say it because it just makes me sound old, but there's a lot of music out there at, that are going to be one-hit wonders. We'll never hear them again. They're fad. It's fad music. It's it's fun and it's danceable and it's it's cute for the for the moment, but it's not long-lasting. And you can just hear it and feel it. And that's because the work that Janet has done hasn't just been by the seat of her pants. You know, she's thought about it. She's worked hard towards it. And she's cultivated a career. And I love the fact that she's in a position in her life where she's in such amazing shape and that she's not only continuing to do the work she started, but that she can revel in it a little bit. And she deserves to like really enjoy it. And I think, you know, I think that also comes with age and experience that you do get to kind of put on another set of glasses and go, yeah, I get to actually enjoy what I'm doing. I don't have to just grind, grind, grind and think about the next project before this project is done. And I'm really happy for her because I think it shows in her spirit that she's really being able to take in the work that she's done and, and be so blessed to continue to be able to still do it. What's your thoughts on this um, next question that I have for you in the fact that she keeps adding concert dates, right? Like she had done the State of the World tour and then we thought that things were over for a bit, but then she went and started doing some festivals and now she's added another 10 dates to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation. Like she just keeps adding dates, which, you know, for all of us fans, we are beyond (laughs) thrilled. And I'm just wondering again, uh, is it because you think now she's getting to enjoy these dates more, like where she's just enjoying every single concert and being in front of every single fan that comes out to see her? You know, I, again, I'm guessing because these aren't questions that I've ever spoken to her about. But I also think that, you know, her life is different now. She does have a child. And, and all my friends who have children, um, I, I see a change in them because it's not always just about you first. So maybe part of that is like, listen, I don't know if I want to take on, you know, a hundred shows, but let's do 20. Let's see how that goes. And then, wow, that was fun. Let's add 20 more. Let's see if, you know, what's going on with my life and my child that I can balance all this as opposed to putting her child on the back burner while she just goes out and does shows. You know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. it's become maybe a little bit of a balancing act and also the fact that yeah, trust me, when we got off stage at the Super Bowl, I think we all wanted, okay, where, where are we going next? we got this down now. Let's go on to the next one. Like, I think if she would have asked us to do three or four more shows, we all would have just jumped on it because it was so fun. And I think, you know, that that part, that's part of it too. It's like, yeah, she's enjoying it. Yeah. Let's just keep adding shows. Why not? And do you think too, like you mentioned her having her son, uh, I feel like that all, almost is changing her too as an artist where like maybe there's some level of because I you know I'll, I'll backtrack for a second when we uh, I talked to Nikki Nikki Pattenberg after the Hollywood Bowl performance and mm-hmm. she actually got emotional in our interview because that was the first time that her daughter had seen mama get up on stage and do that. And it was crazy and it was so sweet. Like, I, you know, she, she was super appreciative of Janet, like allowing her that opportunity. And then she said it was just so special to have her kids see her in action. Uh, do you think there's some level of that? Uh, I realize Issa's still super small, but there must be some level too where like she's got this renewed joy uh, because now she has a, has a child. I mean, I can only guess that yes. And, and I think, you know, when people are 
feeling inspired, no matter what it's from. Maybe it's your, you know, significant other. Maybe it's your child or someone in your family or a best friend or you you have people that are inspiring you and you it kind of gives you more of a reason just emotionally to like, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing because I want to keep this feeling going. It's, it's so joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, how old is... How old is Ethan now he's he's gonna I th- he's gonna be three I believe in the new year, that sounds right. Right, so I think, and I don't know. I mean, I again I would just be guessing, but I just think that yeah, ch- children definitely change you and and change your perspective, change your heart, change all of that. So I'm sure she's just is more inspired just by the love of having him. Okay. And I did want to bring you back for a second to uh, a question that I asked you on the 25th anniversary, and I want to see if you give me the same answer <laughs> five, ah! five years later. Uh, Am look- I going to fall through like a, a door trap <laughs> if I get it wrong? No, no. I think this is just for fun because I just want to see if, if, if your mind has changed at all in the last five years. Uh, okay. What is your favorite song off Rhythm Nation? Oh, gosh. Because you said at the time um, that it was like, I'll, actually, no, you answer. I'm not giving you hints. Go. <laughs> Okay. Um, I think it was the knowledge. There you go. That's it. You got it. Yeah. 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 And you also that said at the time you so were cool. angry that you weren't in the video part of the song. I was so mad. Like, <laughs> you know, and every tour has that. And, you know, the boys, the boys used to be off stage doing Lonely because on the side of the stage every single night during the Velvet Rope because they weren't in that number and they wanted to be so badly. And I'm like, no, it's for the girls. <laughs> so I do understand their pain because, yeah, I wanted to be in the knowledge. It just was the coolest song to me. It still is a cool song. It was just different and vibey and and strong and powerful. And so, yeah, I was wanted to be in that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before I let you go, I, I did want to ask too, when you were back at the Hollywood Bowl performance and, and um, you know, you kind of were dancing in that in the, the section where it was you and the original OGs from Rhythm Nation, Anthony Thomas and Travis. Um, like, what was that like for you just being with those guys again? Oh, my God. It was so amazing. It really was because it, it's just. If you're a dancer who has been on stage with other dancers where you just, you physically and emotionally connect with them on stage. It's the only way I can explain it. It would be as if we all just had like a, I don't know, like if you strung a piece of wire that had a magnetic field to it and you strung it through all of us, there's just something about um, dancing together because you just you literally feel like you're kind of all on the same wave you're all moving at the same speed and you're all taking in all the intricacies at the same time so you're you're actually sharing an experience on stage that is like no other and and it doesn't come with just dancing in a room of you know three four hundred people it it comes from dancing with people that you know intimately people that you work with so closely that you just know when you're slapping your, you know, that hand on your hip that they're doing it at the same time. And it's, 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 it really is a connection that's hard to explain, but it's so powerfully felt. And that's exactly what was happening on that stage. And if you watch, 
you'll see that I was smiling from ear to ear the whole time because I just literally could not contain myself. I was having such a good time. Definitely. And she's going to do it again, she better do it while we can all move. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to mention, because I, I, in those dancer names I mentioned from the OGs, of course, Terry Bixler has to be in that. And he looked like he was having the best time, of too. Course. So that was obviously very special for, for all of us. And, and I know that not all of the Rhythm Nation dancers, uh, the original OGs, were at that performance. Um, what, what do you have to say to them? And I know that, uh, sadly, Art Palmer is no longer with us. So, so do you have any thoughts on, on what you'd say to the ones who couldn't be there and obviously are passing away? Oh, you know what? They were felt, you know, regardless. It's like, I can't think of the Rhythm Nation tour without thinking of Art or Karen, who's still alive and well. She just couldn't make it with us. And Lavelle also. And, you know, just, just their spirits were still there with us on stage. Awesome. And so now the big question, uh, of course, people love Tina Landon. Mm-hmm. Where are you and what can people catch you doing? Oh, dear Lord. I feel like I'm doing so many things all over the place. Um, Two big things. My husband and I are are opening up Loud Music Company here in Wilmington, North Carolina. We're very excited about that. It's going to be a uh, store that carries collector vintage um, instruments and also will have uh, guitar and piano and drum lessons for students that, you know, want to come and learn. I am currently learning how to play the drums. I am really bad, but <laughs> but I love it because I get to bang on things and make noise. And then I leave in a couple of days. I'll be in Abbotsford, Canada, of all places. And I'm going to be working on an ice skating show called Rock the Rink. So you guys should get your tickets and come check it out. Awesome. Well, I love you profusely. You know that already. So thank you. Um, and thank you for coming back and, and kind of discussing this five years later, because I know I asked you a ton of questions on the 25th, but I think I ans- asked you different ones this time around. So I think we're, we're good. Yay. Yay. Uh, well, that- I'll be back for the the 30th of something else. That's right. You know you will be. I have your phone on speed (laughs) dial, so it's good. Uh, That's award-winning choreographer Tina Landon. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at I am Tina Landon. Time for a look at some new music. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Grammy Award-winning DJ and producer Tiesto has just released a new single with up-and-coming British artist Mabel. The song is called God is a Dancer, and there is no question, as you can hear, it's an awesome song to take with you to the gym or to the dance floor. Mabel, by the way, is having an amazing year. She's already been nominated for two Brit Awards and overall has 1.5 billion streams globally. let go of your hold on me. You kill my Louis Tomlinson, who is a member of the hit band One Direction, has been steadily releasing song after song while the guys have been on hiatus. Now, usually Louis' songs are in the dance realm, but this time he has flipped the script with a song called Kill My Mind. And as you can hear, it sounds something like Oasis would have put out in the 90s. It's totally awesome. The song already has over 2 million streams, and this should do really well for him. Give it up, give it up, I am gonna save you. Give it up. Give it up now Cause I got my own imperfections I got my own imperfections 
Quebec Celine Dion has made her fans very happy by releasing three songs from her upcoming new album called Courage. The song you're listening to is called Imperfections, and this is a great song for Celine. She just sounds so at ease. Celine's new album, Courage, comes out on November 15th, and it's her first English album in six years. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Don't forget you can subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms like Apple, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. Joining us on the show is singer Lexi and drummer extraordinaire John from the electropop duo Featurette, based out of Toronto. Featurette have just released a new single called Don't Know Me Without You, and we're happy to welcome the two of them back to the show uh, to catch up on what has been going on. So, uh, Lexi and Jay, thanks so much for joining us again on The Kelly Alexander Show. Thanks for having us back. So I was actually going through my notes and uh, found out that it's been just over two years since we all chatted when you guys were visiting Montreal doing a performance back in the summer of 2017 uh, when you were promoting your album Crave. And it seems like you two have been on, on an amazing ride since we last spoke, including having some of your music synced for television. So my first question for both of you is, and, I, and I'll let one of you start, um, Looking back over the two years, what would you say uh, has been like the biggest accomplishment and the biggest challenge uh, staying in the music industry in Canada? The music industry is tough. It's been a lot of writing. Um, we worked really hard on this piece that we're releasing coming up and uh, even harder on the album that we've got to follow that. And uh, I think that it's, uh, it's a tough journey when you've, when you've released something. Um, it's sort of all of your eggs are in that one <laughs> basket for a certain amount of time. And you feel like, okay, I did this thing, like now what, you know? So it's, it's just that mental hurdle of getting over, okay, this massive thing came out and, you know, how far can I push it? How far can I take it? And then uh, coming up with that next piece of art and reinventing yourself and just getting back out there again. And when it comes to social media, how much has that helped uh, and or hindered your uh, career? Because I know it's obviously a, a great tool for, for artists that, you know, don't have a huge machine behind them. But I know it can also be daunting having to kind of handle a lot of that stuff on your own. So what's that situation like with social media and, and advancing your careers? It's been like a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't exactly have a social media of my own, really. I have like, you know, Facebook, but I don't actually have like, for example, my own Instagram. So I kind of put everything into featurette, which for me is really interesting because it, I don't know, it's just like, it provides like that, that outlet, I guess, for if I'm doing something, I can put everything on the one page. I don't have to really juggle like multiple pages. It's funny because I like, I am very much of the millennial generation that should be able to handle these things and do it quite aptly. But at the same time, like, it's not my favorite thing in the world to do. I'm sort of a studio rat. I'd rather be just in making music instead of like out there documenting everything and like trying to look cute for every photo. I find that to be very taxing. But at the same time, we have uh, grown our little following. And now that there's people actually better responding actually since there's got helmet to her since we last talked i think it's been a little bit easier because there's people there to cushion me when i post something and i'm like oh my god they're gonna hate me and then they don't so it works out <laughs> john what's your thoughts on social media how's it been for you well uh i'm banned from posting anything for feature at my own. <laughs> <laughs> but i've become uh i think i've become much better at taking photos which has been pretty fun and i think uh i think what is great about it for a fan and for even for me as a, as a music nerd, like liking other bands, is I get to kind of see the inside uh, workings of what bands are up to, you know, in the studio or out and about. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing for, for keeping interest. Uh, I just think you have to remember you're oftentimes doing a lot of really interesting, fun and cool things. You don't realize you're doing them and you forget that maybe yeah, the people want to see yeah. the scenes, right? So that's the 
the hard thing to, to remind yourself, often we'll, we'll go somewhere like, oh, we should have totally taken advantage of that. Like yeah. you know, at a TIFF party, we should have like done more of that. You know, so that's, that's the tricky part of it, remembering to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually crazy that you brought that up because I actually had a conversation um, not long ago with somebody who works with Janet Jackson. And, uh, you know, she's a, an artist that has continued to have an amazing career for decades. But she, you know, sort of first started in the 80s. And uh, her sort of uh, team member or, or, or um, employee was sort of saying to me, she's like, you know, Janet comes from that time when everything was supposed to be mysterious, where you didn't give it all away. And so they have to keep reminding Janet when she's out doing things that, yeah, they want to see you uh, in the gym getting ready for a show or whatever. And, and Janet keeps saying, really, right. people want to see this. So it's interesting how that's still like a thing for artists today. Like, I think behind the scenes. I feel scenes, you, Janet. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You feel, Janet. It's cool. Um, yeah, because it's so much. In, it's so interesting how I think people are excited to see the finished product, but they want to know how you got there. Yeah, like and electronic music, right? So we're looking at a screen for like six hours. We're like, great, this finally sounds like something. But like, did they want to see us look at that screen for six hours? Like, I don't know. Maybe they do. Who knows? <laughs> uh, now, you and John have been uh, working together for how long now? Because I like it's been two years since we've spoken, and it was at least a couple years before that, right? I think so. Yeah, it's been around five years in total from conception to right now. Wow. Okay. And so when it comes to that, the fact that you guys have been together for five years on the musical front. Um, How's the rhythm? Like, you guys must have a really good way of, of getting things done, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, it's we've really developed, like, how we do things and streamlined it. We work with, um, we have, like, a secret third bandmate. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> our producer, Mark, Juicy, oh my God, somebody put this on Instagram. Our, uh, <laughs> our producer, Mark Kosher, uh, who we've worked with since the very beginning, actually. Uh, he's, like, our secret third amazing bandmate so john and i sit together in the studio quietly (laughs) for like many 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 hours and then eventually when we feel like we're ready we take our stuff to mark and he uh works on production with us so we we do see tracks through like all the way from the very beginning of like us having a voice memo note in my iphone to uh (laughs) us taking it to mark and like really starting to make some sounds that make waves but um john and i have really streamlined our process of like how much we actually want to massage the track and develop those sounds before taking it to somebody like Mark, who's like a super whiz sound engineer, um, to to sort of like a better our lives and b not spend too much time getting demoitis and falling in love with sounds that may at the end of the day like change. Like when you throw when you put a third mind in the room, any artist who's collaborated with anybody knows this. But when you put a third mind in the room, like there's just such opportunity to break yourselves out of what you'd normally be doing. So if John and I are writing something and we fall really in love with it. You know, it's like uh, it's it's better for us now than it was at the beginning to say like, okay, and what do you think of this? And Mark had some radical idea, and instead of us being like, no, 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 we're like, wait, yes, where can we go with this? You know, and it's really helped push our tracks into just like new and thicker and just banging their beats. That's that's the term of the day, bigly beats. I, I there love you go. that. <laughs> uh, so the new song is called "Don't Know Me Without You." What's the main message of the track, and was it an easy choice to make this a single? Yeah. So um, just a little bit of background here. It was not an easy choice to make this one a single. I'll start with that. Uh, this was a deep album track. Um, we really struggled with this because there were like three other front runner singles that we were more interested in featuring. Um, But we had like some listening parties with some friends and played the tunes and people really gravitated towards this one for some reason. I'm not sure why. But then when we played it for our manager, he was like, oh, like this is a fantastic deep album track that, you know, like people would want to see this because you go for a million things, which is so, so much popular for what we do. Like, yes, the lyrics are still dark. Yes, they're 
very much like the music video is super dark, creepy, featurette, normal styles. But then this song is very moody and it's quite slow until you get to the chorus and like just a different angle, I guess. It's a lot more like what we we had done on Crave, but kind of an update. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, very hard to choose uh, this as the track. But then when people were sticking to it, we were like, OK, we could see this. And then we just shot a music video for it, too. So that really brought it together because it's so cinematic. And then what was the first part of your question? Uh, just wondering if um, like, yeah, like how, how did the song come together? Like, was it was it something where you guys were pondering it for a long time? Or do you think it just sort of was in you guys already to come out pretty quickly? This is weird. Lexi's. Um, consistently a fast writer. So when you're writing with her, um, I might be putting out, you know, basic chord changes or, or a beat or something really simple. And I'll sort of come at it with like a mood and she, you know, her and I will start talking about, you know, a few melody ideas and then she'll go away for 15, 20 minutes and then come up with something really amazing. And it kind of happened in this song. She just kind of went away for 15 minutes and then had the story. This makes sense. And then we kind of fine tune it from there. So just sort of like, it's hard to explain with her, but if a song's good, it just happens. It comes out. Yeah. So what we spent a long time in this song was uh, getting that chorus to sound, like taking away all the of a story, just having it open with a little bit more of a musical uh, impactful section. but Because the verses are so yeah. specific and developing and like you don't need to really give a punchline in the chorus. Although we did end up doing that in the end with the music video. Yeah. I'll tell you about that if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear about the music video. Actually, I just want to remind people that if they'd, they'd like to uh, grab all of your social media handles, of course, very simple. You can hit up uh, their website, featureupmusic.com. So yeah, let's talk about the music video. Who came up with the, uh, the, um, the idea for the conception of the video and what the storyline was going to be? Kind of we did. Um, <laughs> it was a, it's a twofold process here. So um, when we did Million Things, it was very much uh, John and I and the director, Ian McMillan, who we've worked with before. He shot our music video for Bang, and that was like a crazy, crazy story, which in a, you know elevator pitches, we met him in L.A. one day, and two days later, we found ourselves in the desert with him shooting a two-day music video for free. Uh, it was like the craziest weekend of our lives. It was pretty amazing. And then he shot Million Things and did such a fantastic job with that. Um, and we were sitting down, and it was really like... It was really like my vision and his vision, truly. And then John and I had this idea for this story for Don't Know Me Without You, which I'll tell you in a second. But we had, you know, music video concepts already in our head. Like I had stuff storyboarded out and sketched out. And uh, and then he goes, wait, 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 wait. So, I he- okay, I hear what you're saying. And and just like, what if you thought, like, what if you, what do you think about motorcycle car chase? And we're like, wait. Ian, what? <laughs> like, can that be done with the budget that we're looking at? And uh, yeah, so he just <laughs> totally took what we were going to do and just like crumpled it up and threw it out and made this way more amazing story of motorcycle car chase. And like, but how does that work with my story, right? Because featurette girl, which is what we call her on stage, she's me, but I'm not necessarily her. Um, she's got her own stories. And I think this is a really interesting way of us getting around uh, writing for, you know, just just Lexi, you know, because I have a finite amount of stories. Like, I'm not Taylor Swift. I haven't dated enough guys to be like, oh, wow, like, these are all my ex's <laughs> stories or whatever, right? So I have to come up with my own stories, and we've done that by creating this alter ego, this featurette girl, right? So she's got her own set of stories, which uh, allows me to, that outlet, that creative 
dreamy outlet that I couldn't otherwise have. And uh, Don't Know Me Without You uh, could have been a story about, and maybe originally was a story about like, you know, you and your partner, whoever your partner is, where you're like, I, I wouldn't know myself without knowing you. And after shooting the music video and in conception of the music video, we totally flipped it on its head. Uh, it's about the yin and yang inside yourself, like the angel and the devil on your shoulder and who you're supposed to listen to. Um, it's about not knowing yourself without understanding the darker side of yourself and needing that duality in order to have depth and character and points of interest. That's awesome. That's amazing. And I've always wanted to ask this because I know certain artists extremely love making music videos and others are like, oh, my God, the day is so long. I want to die. So where do you guys fall into that? <laughs> we, we love it. We love it. Uh, the first video we ever shot uh, was Broken and uh, Procession, the first and last track off our first album, Crave. And uh, we shot both of those videos in like 16 hours straight back to back. And it was crazy. And then this one was an overnight shoot for like 14, 16 hours where we started at like six ish PM yeah. and went into the morning. Oh wow. We had to rent a, I, I had to rent a Porsche. I know it sounds horrible, like really <laughs> tough. <laughs> and we, uh, we had a book, uh, a rooftop parking garage, uh, in downtown Toronto, which actually was very difficult to do, but we, they pulled it off and it was yeah. pretty amazing. It's, it's going to look great. I can't wait to show you. You can't, you can't be like, this sucks. You're actually like this, you know, even if you're tired, like this is amazing. I think yeah. You can't be mad about it. Like you're, there's so many people there working to see your vision through that. You can't be like a sourpuss. Like, absolutely. It's like, yeah, we got super cold in the morning and like I was trying to drive a car and my muscles were twitching like crazy banana pants because I had been in high heels all <laughs> night and day. But uh, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, when I see this product, it will literally all have been worth it. That's fantastic. Now, what's the plan for the next couple of months? Uh, is there an album coming? You kind of mentioned that there is, so I'm just going to make you say it out loud. Yeah, there's so much. Um, yeah, so first we are going to drop this music video first and foremost, and we're going to announce our tour today, so I may as well just tell you that too um, <laughs> we're gonna go uh we're doing like a mini little 401 bangers just uh doing fall with for may so for may is an amazing band in toronto they're an electro pop project that we've known about since we started here um five years ago and uh so we're going to go on tour with her and we're going to hit up montreal and ottawa and hamilton and peterborough and then we're going to come back to toronto and do a little surprise guest appearance at a show at the Rivoli and then we're going to play the rec room and that that's going to, the rec room is going to be the final show of the little series here. And it's on the 18th. It's for breast cancer awareness with recent breast cancer. And we're uh, closing for courage. My love. It's going to be a great night. I'm very excited about that one. I'm excited about them all, but that one perfect in particular, just for who the cause. And then we've got, um, the video coming out some point during that tour so we're sort of touring the song as re-sparked by the video because it's coming up really quickly now and then we're hoping to drop another single at the top of the year right before dropping our album in late january 2020 which is like basically right now perfect and then will you guys do uh like a cross canada tour at that point or i would hope so uh hard to say these kinds of things come up as they come up so i can't give anything away yet but let's get this done our uh, our new manager since the past couple months now alex wider he's in vancouver so we have some magical vancouver connections and we're hoping to hit the west coast soon yeah, now. never actually played we've never west played coast. the west coast it's time it's time oh that's perfect that's amazing and uh before i let you go i did want to ask you this um 
what's what's your take on how the Canadian music scene is? Like, I, I know it it can feel big to certain people and it can be small to other people. So I know you've obviously gone out with Scott Hellman. You've just talked about how you're going to hang out with Courage, my love. Uh, are you guys very supportive of one another? Uh, Courage, my love of the, of like just the the, the scene in in general, like the uh... oh people in the music scene. Yeah, I think it. I think Canada's really big. I think the music scene is super small. So like for example, Dear Rouge um, out in Vancouver, like they're super we're friends with them like we're going to go right with them soon as soon as both our schedules line up and just like i think the more time you spend in the industry the more people you get to know and we all just realize that like it doesn't really matter like how far along you are we're all on the same plane like when when scott's when scott's family member just passed away like i texted him and i was like hey buddy like we should get a drink like it's not and he's not so far away you know even though he's on a super different level than us and his success has been like unbelievable like he's he's still on my phone you know what i'm saying like it's not we're all we're all just people and we're all just trying to make it and make our art and uh, whatever that means to us at the end of the day. That's great. Rick. And do you guys have any thoughts that you're going to head south? Because uh, I know sometimes that's the, the goal is like, oh, I'm going to go to L.A. or I'm going to hit up New York or Nashville even now seems to be the new hotspot. Those are very, very beautiful prospects, but we think we might go overseas. We might do the Europe journey. Oh, wow. That's cool. We have a yeah, when we look at our Spotify data, like we've got some serious like German sparkle party vibes. <laughs> We're very excited for that to for that to go on. So yeah, we've been we've been looking at a bunch of different places. We've been looking at um we've got some Mexico fan base and uh Germany and some parts of Europe and even some parts of Asia. So um the US is a very difficult and particular market to break into. I think with the you know, a partnership with the right like higher ups we could figure that out maybe, but uh sometimes people have to break overseas first and I think our music might be that sort of style. I think it might really resonate with some people in Europe. That's so, awesome. Well I can't wait till you come back and start speaking German to me. That's gonna be great. So Oh my god. Absolutely. <laughs> Next interview, German. Exactly. <laughs> you guys keep evolving. Well, I'm so proud of you guys. Keep up the great work and uh you're welcome back on the show any anytime because I'm a big fan of your music. So keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks for having us. We love you. That's Lexi <laughs> and so John from Featurette. Make sure to uh, hit up their uh, their website, featuretmusic.com, to grab all of their social media handles. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the show this week. And a big shout out to our guests, Tina Landon and Featurette. My thanks, of course, to our super producer, Adam Brisol. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. We'd love for you also to check out our interviews on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kelly Alexander Show. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.